Hey there, and welcome to the Foothills Deeper Pod, a podcast all about living lives that unleash courageous love in ways both small and big. I'm Reverend Elaine, one of your hosts, and I am so glad to be here with you, and happy spring! I'm feeling so grateful for this season of more daylight, new growth, and new beginnings around the corner. Here's something else I'm grateful for, the amazing conversation that I get to share with you today. If you've been tuning in weekly, you will know that our current series has been all about engaging with this concept of living your best life. What does that mean, really, to be living your best life? Does it mean perfection, that you've gotten everything all figured out? Does it mean all pleasure and no pain? Would that even be a relevant concept in a world where joy and beauty are so often just sitting right alongside disappointment and struggle? We dig into these two questions and more today in a conversation with two thoughtful and vibrant long-term members of Foothills, Lynn Young and Bob Bacon. Together, we lean into the tension that we can be both awake to suffering and experience beauty and joy in this life. And we explore what exactly enables us to take that posture in our lives. This conversation was such a delight and a privilege. So let's dive in. Well, I'm delighted to be here this morning with Lynn Young and with Bob Bacon, two longtime members of Foothills, two wonderful human beings who've lived life fully. And Lynn and Bob, I'm just so grateful that you said yes to this invitation. I'm really looking forward to hearing your stories this morning. That sounds like fun. Well, I thought we would start off just with some introductions here. So I was wondering, first of all, when did you join Foothills? Bob, when did you join Foothills? About uh, August 1960. All right. Which building were we in at that point? Oh, down on college. Mm -hmm. And of course, there was the uh, church school or the, the office uh, block and a half down the street on the other side of College Avenue, which of course, led to the real difficulties with the church school being separated from the main church and the wish in order to build a new building as we subsequently did. And here we are. Yeah. Lynn, when did you join Foothills? Our family arrived in town in 1970 and we essentially started going to the church right after we got in town. We had been Unitarians for a long time, so it was just natural to gravitate to the uh, the church. When we got there, we found that it was brand new, and we were there. Our first uh, time attending was for the dedication so of the building we're in now. So... Uh, that was kind of exciting to get to be part of that. Absolutely. And so I guess, I guess that gives Bob and I a 60 some and 50 some years. That's right. That's yeah. right. Half the, the length of the, the church's existence. Yeah. For me, doesn't Thank seem you. possible. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought to help us get to know you a bit, I wanted to invite you to share 
when are you living your best life? Or what is an example of where you might be or what you might be doing when you are in your happy place? How about you, Bob? Well, I think that probably um, it's feeling a relationship to people and not just people who are here currently, but people in the past. You know, my background is history. And I suppose um, the, the seminal point of this was in junior high, I read a book by Richard Halliburton, who was a world adventurer. And he went to various places and, and uh, recounted the history. He was at the site of Troy. He was at Olympia and, and try offering a, a, an offering to Zeus so the clouds would disappear. And, and I became interested in history and people involved in history. And so I have a connection, it feels like. And so when I dig in the garden, I feel a connection of 5,000 years of people digging in the earth. And when I went to the site of Troy, I remembered Halliburton, his talking about the Trojan War. And when I, uh, Bev and I were in London uh, more recently, we went to the Globe Theater and we were groundlings in uh, uh, the play of Julius Caesar. And we're saying the will, the will, the will. And so there are so many things that I've done over the years that seem to connect to history and literature and the arts and so forth, that this has been so neat. And of course, as a part of that is sharing. And so Bev and I have many of the same interests and there we were in the groundlings at, in the Globe, Globe Theater saying the will, the will, the will. And, and you know, it's just been delightful that these connections that I have to the past as well as sharing them with someone now. Oh, that is so powerful to feel connections to other humans throughout time. Lynn, how about you? Where would we find you if you were in your happy place or living your best life? I guess through the years, it changes. I find it's not something that I can say, this is my happy place forever. I think as we get experiences, we enrich our life by these experiences. Um, so right now I would have to say that my family, when I'm with them, is one of my happy places. Um, When we are together, it's it's such a joy to see how they relate and how they move on with their life. It makes me just really feel good. Uh, another happy place is the mountains. I don't get there that much anymore, but uh, just having the mountains as close as they are, being available to, um, I guess, just see them right now is... It, I know they're there and I know the potential is there. So it makes me feel good. We lived in Estes Park for 15 years uh, between 92 and 2010. So that was a very special time of, of joy, meeting new people, uh, getting out every day and enjoying the beauty that surrounds us. And I guess the last happy place for me is always with friends. Mm -hmm. uh, I find that relationships with people uh, 
energized me, sustained me. Uh, and that's something that I really treasure very much. Oh, thank you, Lynn. I can relate to looking out at the mountains and just feeling comforted by the potential or the possibility of being able mm -hmm. to venture out. So I, as a way of helping me get to know you a little more, because I'm much newer to Foothills than you are by many decades, um, and to help folks who are in the service with us right now or listening to the podcast to get to know you a little more, I wonder, looking back in your life and thinking about this moment too, what are some commitments in your life that have been especially gratifying? What commitments have you made, whether it's a professional commitment or a commitment in your family or a commitment in the church community or in the greater community? What commitments have made your life rich? Oh, they're so rich. <laughs> uh, first of all, my career was teaching. And so it was hard and it was constant. And the grading of papers was, was just relentless. And so looking back, you saw a light in a student's eye, the aha moment. You saw a student who was yeah, maybe vaguely uh, a student deciding, ah, I'm going to do this. And they become dedicated and move forward. And then as years go on, you get an email from somebody and somebody, uh, sometimes a letter sometimes a phone call 50 years ago, you changed my life. You know, it, it was really a, a, a marvelous, marvelous career. And then I had another career, which was a legislative career. And you work daily in order to advance legislation. And along the way, sometimes there were disappointments and sometimes there were victories. I remember I worked so hard on trying to end the death penalty in Colorado and it failed by one vote and this two years ago, it passed the legislature. And so you do the digging in order to move it forward, helping that it will uh, succeed. And then of course, as Lynn mentioned, family. I mean, the rearing a, a child and having a successful uh, child and marriage and grandchildren and both Bev and I with our combined families, the children, grandchildren and children are just great joys to us. And so both a professional career as well as uh, family have been most gratifying to me. Well, that's so beautiful, Bob. Thank you. Lynn, how about you as you look back or think about your life right now, what are some meaningful commitments that you've engaged in? What came to mind right off, Elaine, was the commitment that my husband and I made uh, when we first came across Unitarianism. And I have to really give lots of credit to being involved with the Unitarian Church and how the values and my um, journey through the various years in the church, meeting different people uh, with our church going through different challenges, helping move us ahead 
has been incredibly rewarding. I too was a teacher early on, uh, but I um, I didn't stay with it as long as Bob did. I was a home economics teacher back in when they have that type of a of a uh, opportunity for young kids. I'd like to see it go back into the schools. Actually, right now, I think that it's a, a needed skill. But um, looking back, I think that that as I say, my relationship with the church just has shaped who I am and uh, given me joy, empowered me to move ahead with love, compassion, and uh, understanding. I feel like this is a good segue into our conversation today about what it means to live a good life or how do we live life fully. And I want to invite you into some storytelling and reflection with this question here. When in your life have you experienced meaningful connection or even a sense of fulfillment during a time that was a time of difficulty and challenge in your life? What came to mind first when I read this, Elaine, when you set it out, was our experience right after Bob, my husband, got his doctorate. He was hired by the University of Arizona. So we packed up our kids, um, and we had two at the time, and moved to Arizona. So it was a time of challenge. It was a time of excitement. Um, we were new to the town. We knew nobody. Uh, we had just bought a house. Uh, all of these kind of steps that you take that are exciting and yet sort of scary. And we decided that we would introduce the kids uh, to some type of religious education. We felt that it was necessary. We had both come out of a different uh, phase. Myself particularly had come out of a Presbyterian background. So we showed up the Unitarian Church in Tucson, Arizona. At the time, they only had one. And I was immediately uh, impressed by everything. And particularly what I was looking for was a religion that did not promote the concept that so many Christian churches did of original sin. And I just could not understand how people could follow along with that concept that we're all born with some type of original sin. When you look at the child that's just been born, that is a totally beautiful, clean slate. And so from that point on, I guess that, uh, so that, to answer your question, I guess a challenge let us, uh, well, go back, uh, I shouldn't say a challenge. Uh, it was uh, a hard time at that time that we found some place where we could f feel home and that our children would be safe and comfortable. Right. It's, so it, it was kind of a 
kind of a surprise, you might say. We didn't we didn't expect the, the journey to be such a good one. I have almost a similar kind of, of experience. As a student of history uh, in college, I learned about the Enlightenment of uh -huh. the 18th century and the whole idea that um, what we know, we know from human experience and reason. And so if it is not common to experience certain things, we approach it with skepticism. And so I came out of the, the normal Christian uh, background as well. And so with all, I suppose, the virgin birth and miracles and so forth seemed to me to be a bit unbelievable. And so what I discovered, I was in college and a group of us lived together and we went to various churches and this was in Bloomington, Illinois. And we went to the Unitarian church and I, I had an aha moment. And so I, and when I came to Fort Collins, then I discovered the Congregational Unitarian Church and went and I said, I'm old, I'm here. Yes. They're accepting what I believe and anything that I move when my spiritual journey, I'm going to have support of all of these people and they're going to support me. And together we're going to try to forge a better world. And you know, the, we, we say this covenant every year about service being the law and to live together in peace and to help each other. And that is ultimately, I think, what the Christian message was. And when I came here, it was part of the affirmation was to um, affirm the Christian personality in the pattern of Jesus. And this was so freeing to me and the church and associations that I've had all these years with the church have sustained all that. Mm -hmm. And so there has been this co cooperation between my faith in the church and the whole idea of how we support moving society forward and helping each other as the greater society, as what are the, the values that we have as human beings and getting rid of all of this stuff on top that really makes no sense. And so let's get to the fundamentals and there we are. And I think that this is what our church has done and certainly for me. And I think it has done it for the community. And that's why I support it wholeheartedly and have for many years. Yeah. yeah. There's something so beautiful, Bob, in, uh, in getting together as Unitarians and sharing ideas, sitting down together and, uh, talking about what we believe in and forming our values and what we believe uh, in that way, instead of being spoon fed something that right. maybe not, might not be true. That's right. But, I'm certainly open to question. Yeah. Yeah. A good deal of skepticism is good. Yes. I wonder how over the years being a part of this community grounded in compassion, grounded in the free search for truth and meaning. Where are times when you have been held by this community? Or when have been times when being a part of this way and these people has really made a difference? I think for me, uh, 
the thing that stands out most is when, with the sudden passing of my husband, Bob, back in uh, 2013, um, it was totally unexpected. The church rallied around. Our family had incredible support. And um, we felt loved, protected. Um, we had a family that was affected by, I mean, we felt, felt the church was our family too. So uh, the connection with the church has helped me move on and learn to appreciate the lives that Bob led along with how it affected me and how I grew in the relationship. It helped me understand it with every passing, they're sad, yes, but we do celebrate the life. And it's taught me to look at it with great appreciation for that life. And uh, puts a little bit of a positive spin on it, acknowledging the sadness and yet moving on with love in the heart for what we had. And I can see it in the family, in our relationships and everything. It's a very special. It is. Courage to walk into a dawning day for four, 14 years, I was in the legislature and every Sunday I would come to church during the legislative session. And during the week, we would work so hard on bills and, and advancing all those causes that really are much like Unitarian causes in order to move society ahead and to protect and, and do those sorts of things. And I was filled with frustration with various people who were opposed to it and also getting coalitions together. And but we did spirit of truth and courage to walk into the dawning day that almost was an affirmation every Sunday, I'm going to go back and do this work again, <laughs> regardless of how hard it is. And then it, even in the earlier days in, in teaching, why are we doing this? It is in order to build the better community. And so we hope to, and you know, we believe in the democratic method of, of solving problems and, and it requires some enlightenment and, and knowledge of the, the world in order to make those decisions. And so you had the courage in order to make sure that the democratic institutions and society moves forward with um, citizens coming through the school system that are aware and are dedicated to that sort of thing. And so the church for all these years with the principles have really informed both of my careers over the years in order to steal my resolve and to give me courage to walk into the dawning day. I feel like this is such a beautiful combination of the pastoral and the prophetic, right? The way that we care for each other's hearts and the way that in turn we take our values out into the world to make change for the better. Right, right. So looking back on your life, when was a time when now you could see that you were living your best life, that life was sweet and good, but you didn't realize it at the time? And what do you think kept you 
from seeing it that way at the time? That's a hard question, Elaine, because um, as I mentioned earlier, I feel that when you refer to the best life, it's kind of a moving target. Uh, so much depends on your experience uh, that you bring into any situation. I think some of my best life, uh, I was fortunate between my junior and senior year in college to take a year off and travel for nine months uh, with two other friends in Europe. Uh, we did a combination of bicycling, hitchhiking. This was way back in 1954. So things, the world was a little bit different. Just come out of World War II, there was evidence around of, of a lot of uh, devastation in many of the communities. But uh, for me, it was uh, looking back on a, a wonderful time of uh, relationships with the two friends that I was traveling with. And it was a growing period. Uh, I think I was a very shy person when I went went into uh, school, uh, but this being on your own and making your own decisions and seeing the world uh, firsthand really changed me. I came back a different person. And uh, looking back, and it's probably some of my best days, uh, and yet I've been fortunate and had quite a few best days. <laughs> So it really is hard to to single out. Uh, uh, you know, I think we've all had our best days and then not so best days. Yeah, but in order to make best days, we have to do the preparation before it. And sometimes when we're preparing in order to have our best days, we don't realize that the spade work is so important in order to achieve that. And it may seem tedious at the time, but recognizing that it's necessary in order to achieve those best days. You don't make an omelet by just saying, I want an omelet and it's there. You have to crack the egg and you have to beat them and then you have all these sorts of things. And it's, a, it's the same sort of thing with life. We do all those things necessary so that the best days are possible. And sometimes when we're doing those mundane things, you know, rearing children and all of the things dealing with life, we don't realize that that whole experience is going to lead to this joy that we have as parents with our children and our grandchildren as time goes on. Mm -hmm. And so I think that a part of it is that we have to recognize that sometimes life is hard, but you put one foot in front of the other in order to get to the destination. And both Lynn and I are at a point where we can reflect back on all of that and we could forget a lot of the the trauma and the difficulties and the out of money at the before the end of the month on on such low salaries and and it was really trying but looking back the joys certainly outweigh the the, the difficulties that we had or maybe we have convenient um uh, forgetting we can uh, the uh, selective memory of those times and so I'm, many of us don't dwell on those horrible, or not just horrible, but trying events in order to uh, hold up and to revel in those events that, and the, 
the life that we have now that is so meaningful for us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think that one thing also, Bob, we have to sort of reflect on as we look back on the various experiences we've had is gratitude. Absolutely. Uh, that looking back on things, every experience we have is an opportunity for growth in some way or another. And so for me, it's looking back with gratitude at what we were and what we became. Yeah, in the larger sense too, I think we have to recognize that we were born in a country and a time in which many human beings who lived on the face of the earth did not have the opportunities that we have. Mm-hmm. And we're white, we're middle-class. We have many advantages that many people did not have. And I, I certainly recognize today that oftentimes I say I've lived to the golden age that I've been able to do and believe, believe and, and, and contemplate things that my previous ancestors didn't even have the opportunity to do because they had to work so hard in order to sustain life. And I've had such gifts in order to have an education and have experiences and travel and love and family. It's just, just been an absolutely uh, great life. And so you're right, Lynn. We need to have gratitude for this, that we are very fortunate in our time and place and experiences. I wonder if you might be able to share a story about a time in your life where you were able to be open to both joy and connection and love, and also acknowledge that you were in a time of suffering and what helped how are you able to hold both of those things at the same time? Well, for me, there was a time in my life that after nearly 25 years of marriage, my marriage fell apart. And I looked at myself and my life and I said, you know, you're a failure. But then on the other side of the coin, I said, you got to put one foot in front of the other and go on. And engage in work and meaningful work in order to move forward. And life did proceed forward and love came again and life was better uh, than it had been previously. And so a part of it is a resolve to move forward despite difficulties. Mm -hmm. And then I do have a trick. I pull out my stoicism on occasion. And as Epictetus Tita says, everything is opinion. And if your opinion is that it is harmful or you've been hurt, then you have been hurt. But if you don't have an opinion about that, just get rid of it and think about it at another time. It's not important right now to think about it. Move ahead with what is important. Thank you, Bob. I guess my reaction, Elaine, is um, I go back to the passing of my husband and I have to add also I my old son passed away two years ago so I've had the double loss uh, that we've moved through and I think that as I mentioned earlier that there is a great sadness there but also uh, a celebration of the life 
and look upon these uh, lives with gratitude, thankfulness that we experience this person, that that person touched our lives. My heart is so full of gratitude to both of you right now for sharing so openly and honestly about some of the most profound experiences of your life. Is there anything else that feels like it needs to be said before we conclude this deep and beautiful conversation? There's more work to be done in the world, the wider world, as well as the whole world right here and now. And so this is the services that's law part of our covenant. And also, uh, as we have in each one of our services, gratitude that we need to feel grateful for what we have and, and, uh, all of the joys that we have had in the past and would continue to have, uh, we're really so fortunate both in our congregation, as well as Fort Collins and Colorado and our nation. Uh, we really need to be most appreciative and, and take joy in that. Thank you, Bob. I guess what was going through my mind, Elaine, was to the people who are watching, who have been involved with church, just encourage them to remain open to the possibilities that we offer at the church. Uh, the possibilities are there for such a rich exchange of ideas and experiences that enable us all to grow. So uh, I have a, a quote that I've always liked very much, and it's from Richard Gilbert. It said, I did not think my way into religious living as much as I lived my way into religious thinking. And I've always thought that's a, a very apt thing for what I can speak for happened in my life. And I invite everyone to join us in the journey. That's right. It's a great journey, a good group to journey with. Yes. Well, I couldn't think of a more appropriate note for us to end on. Bob and Lynn, thank you so much for this conversation. I feel like I've really received a gift of inspiration just by talking with you right now. So thank you. Thank you, Elaine. Thank you, Elaine. Hey there, it's Elaine again. Oh, what a rich conversation. You know, talking with Lynn and Bob, I felt really transported. I found myself taking a step back from my life and really seeing it from a new perspective, thinking about my past self, my future self, and how that might inform how I'm living today and what my best life looks like today in the midst of these joys and blessings and these frustrations and losses right now. And as our time on this podcast is about to draw to a close, I want to offer a little grounding meditation for this time, this beginning of spring, to help us take a step outside the flow of our daily lives, outside the striving, the worrying, the creating, the doing, the evaluating, and take a larger perspective 
rooting ourselves in the essence of this recent spring equinox, the beginning of spring when the hours of night and day come into balance, when we bid farewell to winter and allow ourselves to rest in the assurance of increasing daylight and growth to come. So let us take a few moments now to ground in and to find an inner stillness in this time of equilibrium within the turning. Noticing the heart beating. Noticing the lungs breathing. Noticing those everyday miracles of the body and the earth that keep life going. And as we continue breathing, we also notice the thoughts that enter our mind, whatever they are, greeting them with compassion, letting them go as we are able, and bringing ourselves back to right here, right now. Let us pause together for a moment in this stillness. As this season of rebirth and renewal begins, May we move through our days with gratitude and wonder. May we cultivate forgiveness for ourselves and for others and search for creative ways to repair what is broken. May we grow in the ways of love and compassion, saying yes to the commitments and connections that bring more life, deeper balance, and greater joy. May it be so. Thank you so much for making time to join in this week's episode of the Deeper Podcast. If you have a moment, it would mean so much to us if you could leave a positive review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help people discover this show when they're typing in keywords to Google and just trying to find something that might touch their lives in a meaningful way. And if there's anyone in your life who you think would resonate with the big questions we're wrestling with over here, please send them a link, spread the word, and thank you so much for listening. We are so glad that you joined us. 